podcasting on the wrong day late, per usual. On the wrong... Okay, yeah, you're right. It's Wednesday. Normally, we do Monday. Um, and I think the reason why is because uh, I was guilted into subbing for another band, another community jazz band. I got guilted into it, so <sighs> I went and subbed on Monday. Went well, I couldn't do my podcast because I was too busy playing in a jazz band. It's perhaps the whitest, malest thing <laughs> you've ever said. That's true. I, <laughs> I was too, and, and to be even more vanilla, it's just plain old saxophone. Nothing, nothing exciting. No, you know, nothing cool like uh, clarinet. That'd be kind of cool. Are clarinets cooler than saxophones now? I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, I mean, no, but it's it's more like rare i guess so maybe although that is also pretty white male let's be honest uh what's who's benny goodman (laughs) it's pretty and to be honest like clarinets in jazz for a while were pretty square uh so you had that going for him as well the only famous act uh, famous jazz player i can think of on top of my head is the dude who doesn't wear a shirt and runs around playing careless whisper on beaches and stuff yeah that, that guy's yeah, that funny. Ca- uh i don't remember his name sexy, sexy sax, sax man. man yeah sexy sax yeah. man i love i love the one where they're like outside and the cops are standing around and they're like he's sexy sax man you don't know who he is <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so good. Next time I do something stupid and there's cops standing around me, I'm, I'll be like, I'm Sexy Saxman. Do you not know who I am? I don't think that's going to work the way you want it to. It won't. I guarantee you it will not. So that's a good segue into a correction that we need to make to a former episode. Um. So and here's here's the best part. I know my so I have a friend, Haley. She's going to be really excited, I hope, because she was like, hey, Aaron, you talked about musicals the other day and I wasn't mentioned. And I was like, well, I try to not mention people because I don't know if they want to be mentioned. And so now she'll, she's going to be mentioned for like five minutes. Uh, but I play in a, in a few bands with her husband, James, and my friend Haley is a super fucking badass musical actress. Uh, she's been in all kinds of stuff, and I I hesitate to name any because it will mean that I'm like leaving off a bunch of others. But one of my favorites, uh, she was Jolene. I think it's Jolene. She's gonna she's gonna correct me. It's gonna suck. She was I think it's Jolene in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and she was she was excellent in it. It was it was she was awesome. But here's the thing. My friend Haley, she texted me right after she listened to the episode where I talk about Les Mis. And she was like, hey, Aaron, you fucked everything up. And I I was really sad because I was claiming that Les Mis was one of my favorite musicals, which it is. Uh, but it turns out I got a lot of the facts wrong. So two corrections. One, I said that he, uh, Jean Valjean was arrested for stealing bread and he served like 19 years because he stole the bread. That is incorrect. Uh, even Javert, uh, the, the, the police officer, tells him, you got five years for stealing the bread. The rest, because you tried to run. Uh, so I, there, there's that, that correction. <laughs> The next one is I said that he stole some candlesticks, which he didn't. 
I was completely wrong about that. He steals some other stuff. Um, I think like some other silverware, other thingies. Um, and when he gets arrested, the the bishop says, you forgot I gave these also, which is the candlesticks. So there you go, Rob. Now you know I messed up. And special thanks to my friend Haley, who is both, one, a badass musical actress, and two, has amazing memory when recalling Les Mis facts. Um, it seems kind of pedantic that he served 19 years for stealing bread or five years for stealing bread and 14 years for running from having to steal the bread. I mean, that's... <laughs> He stole the act that put him in prison for 19 years was stealing bread. Um, the thing about you just being wrong. All right. Um, <laughs> I got a correction that was a little bit less nuanced. Okay. As in it was last week. Glaringly episode. incorrect. No, it's only five words. Okay. Um, it reads, and I quote, also, Aaron sucks at French. Which I only bring up because you did lay Miss stuff again. But last what week it? we talked about Como Se Va, oh. which now everyone's going to know how much I suck at French because I just tried it myself. <laughs> so, so wait, was the correction like I need to pronounce it differently? I don't know. I read you the whole correction. Oh, who's, who's comment? Does the, does the person mind being named? Can it was I, Katie. It was Katie. Oh, Katie. Called out. Do you know what? So uh, Haley, my friend, is also quite... Uh, adept at French, and so she would probably have corrected me as well. So, Haley, in in retrospect, please don't re-re-correct me. We all know that I do not know how to speak French. <laughs> also, the fact that she didn't correct you, does that mean she didn't listen to last week's episode yet? I'm guessing not. now a week behind? I don't know. I'm guessing not yet. Although, no, I think she did listen, and uh, she didn't say anything about it. So, let's just say that I'm, I'm amazing at French. Nah, I mean, she would know, right? And she didn't say anything. Yeah, so. obviously. <laughs> All right, uh, so, so those are some corrections there. Obviously, I suck at French. And um, I also apparently don't remember all of my facts from my favorite musical of all time. Got some feedback from one of the very early episodes uh, a long time ago saying that they weren't crazy about us talking about uh, just, like, math concepts. Oh, And so okay. to take that feedback internally, I thought we'd talk about some math concepts. <laughs> um, okay. Sweet. Um, I'm down. So this, this particular thing that uh, I want to talk about has, like, three different things about it that I think make it a perfect thing to talk about for, for us. Okay. So, so you're, you're turning the feedback on its head. So we're going to talk about math concepts, but it's going to be more interesting than the other math concepts we've talked about. No, I don't think it will be. I just oh. think that that person, uh, I'm just letting them know that I'm ignoring them. <laughs> we're going to talk about math and we won't talk about math. Oh, awesome. this is just barely math. Okay, okay. Um, it's, got, it's got a seven in it? Yeah. Two. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. Um... But it does bring together three things that I, I think are, are, are particularly interesting to me. Um, one of them, and I'm going to start off with this, is baseball. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, there was a baseball player a very long time ago in the 20s and early 30s. Uh, his name was Babe Ruth. 
Many people have heard of him. Never heard. No, who is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was baseball's original major home run hitter. He pretty much made home runs cool. The great Gambino. Bambino, I think. Oh, no, you're right. Gambino, yeah. 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 And then what was the other? There's another one. The 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 Sultan of Swat. I'm trying to think yeah. of all the things they called him in the in uh, Sandlot. They had a oh, – it was not just Sandlot. That's what they called him back yeah, then. Yeah, I know. They were way better at nicknames than they are today. Yeah. <laughs> there's a baseball player today named Aaron Judge. You know what his nickname is? No. The Judge. The judge. Oh, Wow. Damn it. Damn Real it. fucking creative guys. Nailed it. Thanks. Anyway, yeah. that's Nailed beside it. the point. Okay. Um, I think I know where you're going with this. I actually know what's about to happen. Oh, that's – okay. Um, Are we going to talk Ruth, about Aaron Ruth numbers? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, Babe Ruth ended his career with 714 home runs. Yeah, that's a shit ton. Who Which, was the next closest at the time and how many or, – or what approximately how many was the next closest? The day that Babe Ruth retired – with 714 home runs, uh-huh. Lou Gehrig was in second place in the overall home run count okay. with 353. <laughs> yeah, so like a solid half. <laughs> yeah, he would end up retiring with 493, Okay, Lou Gehrig would, but Lou Gehrig's career was cut short. By his illness. Um, by a disease that would become to be named after him. Correct. Um, <laughs> uh, but at the time... That home run count was thought to be unbeatable. Like they said, no one will ever pass Babe Ruth's 714. It was a product of the era and of the player. It'll never get beat. Yeah. Um, Another thing to remember is in 1934, which is the last year he played baseball, Mm -hmm. baseball had not yet been integrated. It was still all white. Well, for for a few years to come as well, unfortunately. Well, not... A lot of guys get credit for breaking the the color barrier, but there were actually quite a few black players that played in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. They were just very light-skinned, and they just pawned them off as being white players. Oh, I actually did not know that yeah, bit of it, history. There were like five or six guys in early baseball history that did that. There were actually African-Americans that played in Major League Baseball. At Hank Aaron would come to be the first player to break Babe Ruth's home run record. And he broke it in 1974. So that's like 50 years later, 40 years later. <laughs> yeah. Yet another testament to how badass Babe Ruth was. Right. Uh, at the time when Hank Aaron passed Babe Ruth, second place person behind Babe Ruth and him was Willie Mays with 660 at the time. So other guys had gotten much closer. Yeah. But still no one had passed it. But the interesting part that I want to get to is the Hank Aaron – was, like, shouted at. There mm-hmm. was a lot of racist sentiment in Major League Baseball. This black player is breaking records of all of these white players. Because didn't he start... He started in the late 50s or early 60s? Something. Uh, I think late 50s. Late 50s, okay. I don't actually know that for sure, but I think late 50s. Yeah. Um, but it, it was it was a big deal yeah. to have openly black... Like, openly black players in baseball, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say. It's like, a weird thing to say. To be openly black was was still uh, frowned upon. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, but the interesting part here is uh, to pass 714, you have to hit 715. Yeah. And that brings us to our math bit. Yes. Just called the Aaron Ruth numbers, 
which is 714 and 715. Mm-hmm. And here's where you're going to want to get a piece of paper or a pencil out. Not or, and. And or. No, no, and. You're going to want paper and a pencil. <laughs> you're not going to do much with either. <laughs> but together, you um, have the, the interesting thing about these two numbers is their prime factorizations. What the hell is a prime factorization? Uh, every number can be factorized into all of the uh, of exclusively prime numbers that when multiplied together make the number you're interested in. Yeah. And sometimes they're like uh, – so, so for example, like 8, the only prime factorization is really 2 – Right, it's two cubed. Two is prime, and it's two cu- two two two. Right, so and some numbers are prime numbers, so their prime factorizations are themselves. So, yeah. for instance, twenty nine's prime factorization is twenty nine times one, which is what makes it a prime number by definition. It, if its prime factorization is itself, that is how you define a prime number. Yeah. So anyway, two hundred and seven hundred fourteen. The prime factorization is two times three times seven. Times 17. Mm-hmm. The prime factorization for 715 is 5 times 11 times 13. What What about these two numbers? Like Babe Ruth, 714 home runs. Hank Aaron, 715 home runs. What What is special about them that makes them a Ruth-Aaron pair? A Ruth-Aaron pair has two main features okay that they are consecutive numbers okay and that all of their prime factors when added together equal the same thing got it so if you look at the prime factorization you will see that so for 714 right you you said 23717 which which if you add them together is 29 then for 715, what were the numbers again? 5, 11, and 13. Which again, so yeah, sums to 29. Interesting. Another interesting thing about these two numbers is that all of those prime factors are all of the prime factors up to 17. Ah. And you might ask yourself, is that a rare occurrence? Ah. Or is that a unique occurrence? And the answer is no, it is not unique. Yeah. Five and six also do this. Yeah. Or the, the prime factors of six are two and three, and five is just five. Yeah. So two, three, five, it's another example of this happening. Uh-huh. However, what is cool about this is that this is currently thought in mathematics to be the largest example of two consecutive numbers. Where all of the primes yeah, hold this property. So 714 and 715 are the only Ruth Aaron pairs where their, their prime factorizations also cover the entirety of the prime fa- primes up to a certain point. That's what you're saying. Because there are bigger Ruth Aaron pairs, which is just the property that they're consecutive and that the sums of their prime factorization adds up to 29. But there's no other bigger one that also covers all of the prime, as far as we know, right? As far as we currently know. So and we've gone up to a certain amount, but we haven't kept going. And as prime numbers get further and further apart, it seems less and less likely less. that this property would occur again. 
Interesting. So now let me let me ask you this. This this is my favorite part about math, uh, especially this kind of math. Why is this interesting? Why should we care? The study that this was found in and published in was published in the Journal of Recreational Mathematics. So the answer is you shouldn't care. It's just neat. So that's one of the things that I love, because uh, like, I've read about this story in the past, and that's what I love about it, is that um, this guy, he just loved baseball, and he was a math, like a good mathematician. And uh, he decided that he just wanted to see some, he wanted to find something interesting about 714 and 715, because baseball is riddled with math, and he loves math, and he loves baseball. Um, and so he ended up coming up with this like really cool thing. And I think the, the thing that you said that 714 and 715 are the largest that cover all of the primes up to a certain value. I think there's actually conjecture. It's like the Pomerantz, the guy who came up with it. It's like a Ruth Aaron conjecture or Pomerantz conjecture that states that those are the two largest Ruth Aaron pairs that cover all of the primes. Um, so there's actually some interesting math that has come out of what what was first just a recreational fun that somebody was having. <laughs> right, and so this guy came up with this this conjecture while he was a PhD student. Ah, okay. And a really famous mathematician at the time, whose name I forget. Oh, um, I know who you're thinking the, of. Uh, Erdo, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Contacted him and said, "That's really cool." can we do some more research into this? Yeah. And they got together and they did research on this number for a while, which if you look up the paper in the recreational mathematics is a paper that the two of them did together. Yeah. The reason I bring this up is sometime later on, they became really good friends. And sometime later on, the famous mathematician was being recognized for some major mathematical award. Yeah. And you know who else was at that award ceremony? I, I actually do know the answer. <laughs> It's Hank Aaron. It's Hank Aaron. And so this brings us back to an earlier thing we're talking about, crazy coincidences. Yeah. Um, and I learned about the Ruth Aaron number uh, from a number file video, which is a really amazing YouTube channel. And I will link to that video in the show notes. I'm going to have to second that. E even if you're not a math person or quote unquote a number file, uh, it is awesome. Like, number file is so much fun. I'd say uh, what you should do is if you find yourself, like, very fascinated about an, a concept in number file, look up another YouTube series called Three Blue, One Brown. And the guy in those videos has an uncanny ability uh, to explain uh, math concepts that are so far out of... Uh, us mortal, the reach of us mortals, uh, that I find myself at least understanding or partially understanding some concepts that I never thought I would understand. And so I would watch a number file video about, uh, say, the Riemann zeta function, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I went and looked at the three blue, one brown video and felt like I understood it better than I had ever understood it before. <laughs> So definitely check those out. They're they're awesome. All right, Rob. I want to talk about we're going to start kind of uh from a from a different direction 
without even bringing up what everyone knows we're about to bring up because it is the current event of the day. Uh, this being, what is it, Wednesday, August 16th? One day after your birthday, by the way. Happy birthday to Rob, August 15th. Woo! Woo. If I had like a thing to shoot off a noise shooter thing, uh, I'd do it. That would have been, been awesome. Uh, also, it is August 16th. Happy birthday to my mom. She is, holy shit. Uh, uh, 26? Uh, no, f- 55, I think. That's my, that's my guess. I'm sticking to it. 55. Um. Okay, so there's been a lot of stuff going on the on in the news, and what I want to start out with is just the argumentative fallacy called false equivalency. So there's lots of argumentative fallacies. If you know me, you know that I I love them. You know that I do often commit them, but I am typically pretty good at at recognizing when I have been called out on them. So if I am a uh, perpetrator of an ad hominem attack, I will, and you call me out on it, I will tell you, yes, I agree, you have, you, you've made a good point there. Um, but false equivalency, uh, the best way to explain it, or the, the way it's explained in, you know, Wikipedia or, a, you know, a philosophy book would be that you say, if X contains A and B, and Y contains B and C. Well, because X and Y both contain B, they're equivalent. They're, they're the same. Um, and when you say it like that, it makes a lot of sense that that's false. That is a false equivalency because it's X is A and B, Y is B and C, and so A and B is not equivalent to B and C. But it's the, it's the idea that humans have a tendency to find equivalency even when only a part of a thing is found to be equivalent. And so I'm actually going to use <laughs> an example that uh, someone used uh, to, to, in discussing a topic. And you might know <laughs> what I'm discussing, and we'll talk about it in a sec. But uh, so as to not uh talk about the actual topic and to make it really exciting we're going to say that rob i'm an atheist and you're a christian um and uh which is true for me and i think false for you <laughs> i need to get into details but someone uh gave a pretty good analogy i thought or or, or a scenario a hypothetical that i i hope will never happen it would it would disgust me to all end. Uh, but what if there were a group? It's me and a hundred atheists who are marching down the street, calling for uh, the eradication or the removal of Christians, and maybe maybe to to give it a term, we could call it like uh, uh, ex- uh, extremist anti theism, right? You you just you hate religion so much you were calling for religious people to be removed so that's the group that i'm gonna be um fortunately this is super super hypothetical i would never espouse despite the fact that yes i am uh, an agnostic atheist i would not ever uh espouse the notion that we should remove people of faith 
I, I have many friends, families, colleague, colleagues who are all people of faith who I love and respect greatly. So I would never call for that, but it's to make this hypothetical situation. Um, and then, Rob, you are you and a hundred Christians find yourselves uh, upset with with the fact that I am marching uh, with the sentiment to remove you and yours from my country. This is my country. This should be an atheist land, and you should get out. Um, or at least you shouldn't have the same rights, obviously, right? Um, you know, separation of church and state, all of that, like, y- you should get out. And, and here's the situation. Uh, to be completely real about this, I am calling for removal of you and your people. What do you think uh, the Christian re- response would be to that? Like you and your your group, what's what's a what's a logical response? Y'all are going to miss Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Um, but I I would say that in general you're, you're kind of you know just like uh, that's that makes me uncomfortable. I would prefer you not spout hatred and bigotry like that. I I'm a a loving and caring individual. I provide value to society. And I would just prefer you didn't call for my removal. Right. So let's, let's to, to, to make this, this uh, situation even closer yeah. to reality. Let's say that me in the Christianist scenario uh, is a majority population. Ah, yeah. And okay. you... The atheist, militant atheists, are a fringe minority group. We came, we came from out of town to come spread our hatred. But you're, but you're even nationally, oh, you're yes. a minority group. Tr- so I, the I hope so. Is, should I just ignore you and hope that you go away? So, or should I, I do what it takes, or do something? proactively to prevent that sentiment from spreading. Correct. So that has nothing to do with false equivalency, but that's a good question. Um, And I don't know about you. I feel like you should do something. I don't think ignoring it is going to help you at all. I think I I agree. And I think it it says something to to say, hey, you know, the rest of society, the the 99% of society who is – living in uh, co cohabitating this land uh uh you know equally with everyone else do not share the sentiment and we want to let anyone all the like other atheists might even come out and say hey look uh i i don't i don't believe that that's that sentiment is insane i'm going to i'm going to you know step outside and show my support for the fact that this is not the way we, we built our society. But, but here's, the, here's the bigger thing, because this was the question that I was asked. If I bring guns and masks and bats and helmets, and you bring guns and bats and masks and helmets to 
this public place where we're both I'm the quote unquote let's say protesters and you're the the counter protesters and both of us perpetrate violence the first question is legally are we at equal fault so if you throw a rock at me and I throw a rock at you should we both be arrested and should we both be you know uh, tried for assault yeah, probably out. Yeah, under the the laws, the laws doesn't really take in, a situation into account so much. So correct, probably. And I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Whether you threw the stones or I threw whoever threw the stones or acted in a violent manner, as far as the law is concerned, as far as just the law, the Constitution, First Amendment rights, and the law, um, if you. If either of us were violent towards the other, we should be arrested and tried accordingly. End of story. And what what but then the next question is, if we both throw rocks at each other, does that make our moral positions the same? That is equivalency. It's saying you threw rocks, I threw rocks. You you brought guns, I brought guns. I brought helmets, you brought helmets. Uh, I shoved you, you shoved me. Does that mean that our moral positions are on the same moral plane? No. Not fucking at all. And I think the problem that I have with our leadership and I'm going to go ahead and stick it stick it to the real world scenario right now is that our president could not bring himself to say that the that the people calling for the eradication of the denigration of the removal of, a, of groups of people, of Jews, of African Americans, of immigrants, he could not bring himself to say that that was a different moral plane, that that is an inherently terrible and, uh, and literally evil moral plane. He repeated over and over again that because both perpetrated violence, they are somehow equivalent. And that, in my opinion is a huge false equivalency fallacy. And and I, I think that the best way to handle it would have been to say, to come out right out, come right out the gate really strong and say, I do not, you know, some of these people say that they support me. I do not want their support. America has no place for neo-Nazis. It has no place for, for white supremacists. And we... The, the sane and rational and compassionate people of the United States should continue to not stand for this type of behavior. But, and, then, and this is where he can do the smart thing and talk about violence and say, but I want those of us on the right side of history to, to act with, with as much civility as possible. When we become violent, we stoop to their level. And and that's not something that that's just not us. And if he had said something like that, then I don't think he'd be in the position that he currently is in. I would say unequivocally that if I am if there's a a march of atheists calling for the eradication of Christians and Christians and a fight breaks out, I will whole 
wholeheartedly support the Christians. I would right. never want the support or the, the uh, you know, uh, I just, I, I have no words. I have no words. The uh, two groups that were being painted as being equivalent were the, uh, the neo-Nazis um, and the uh, Antifa. It, it, well, so, and, and yeah, oh, yeah, true, Antifa. Um, I would like to read a short blip about both, and we can see how we feel about their equivalency. Okay. <laughs> their moral we'll start, equivalency. We'll, see, we'll start with the neo-Nazis. Okay. This is, these are the two equivalent groups, neo-Nazis. Neo-Nazis consist of a post-World War II social and, or political movement seeking to revive the, ideolo- the ideology of Nazism. Neo-Nazism borrows elements from the Nazi doctrine, including ultra-nationalism, racism, ableism, xenophobia, homophobia, a few other things. Um, And then it says, uh, in initiating the Fourth Reich, Holocaust denial is a common feature as it is incorporated of the Nazi symbols and admiration for Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Antifa... Is a far is a left to far left anarchist political movement of autonomous self-described anti-fascist groups in the United States. The term is loosely used with anti-racism, anti-sexism, anti-homophobia, as well as anarchism and anti-capitalism. I, there is stuff in the Antifa that isn't great. I agree. But to paint those two things <laughs> as being the same. It's just like so if, much horseshit. If if you had to choose between which of those two ideologies were to take over the country, which, let's be honest, and hope it's neither. Agreed. But if you had to choose one of those two to take over the United States, ask yourself really hard which you wish it would be. And if you come up with the answer neo-Nazism... Go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, I can't... I, I like that, Rob. That's a good way to put it. Like, just take a philosophical backstep and say, "Look, we've already established that both sides uh, committing violence is wrong, but that is not a that d- doesn't mean that you get to end the conversation and claim equivalence because that is false equivalency." But then you got to ask yourself the question from a societal standpoint, from a moral standpoint, you know. Which which are you going to choose? And and all I wanted from Donald Trump, and he could have said, let's stop the violence. Every fucking president ever who has reported or, or, or sorry, spoke spoken about a tragedy um, or a clashing of sides has said, let's stop the violent that violence. That's not that, that nobody has a problem with that. That's fine. But to full stop that and say, I have nothing else to say. I have no, you you know, I I, I want him to come out and say that, uh, you know, David Duke and anyone who is a white supremacist or a neo-Nazi or or any other whatever, unite the right, these these alt-right who are saying they want to have whites rule the United States. I want him to come out and say that they will that he does not want their support he knows that they've given them support and it should and that it haunts him at night to know that these fucking asshats support him it should haunt him every day that these people support him 
I do not understand that. I understand it. <sighs> I know. Like it's well, He wouldn't have won the election without them. I know, and uh, that's so like, horrifying to me. That I know. It's, their support was a key part of him winning this presidential election. He doesn't want to ostracize them now because he probably won't be able to win a re-election without them. And if you're a Republican, that should scare you. That should scare you. Uh, I, I they, have, are a, they are not a small group of people. So I, I have to say, I, I heard some interesting arguments today. I, I commend all of the Republican leaders who came out and, and said, what the hell is going on? Uh, Mitt Romney had some pretty good words. Paul Ryan had some good words. Uh, there were a few others that all said, you know, basically took the same stance that we just took. Like, what, what the hell are you talking about, man? Like, denounce... Uh, white supremacy like how have you not done this yet and then he kind of did and then he went and had that press conference on Tuesday in which he basically walked back his his denunciation of white supremacy like by not saying yes I agree this is a different moral plane and but but I have to say that there's a good follow-up question to all of these Republican statements hey what the fuck are you gonna do about it you can say all the shit you want about, oh, you know, Trump is not, you know, I, I, we need to uh, denounce white supremacy in the strictest possible terms. Cool, man. What are you going to do about it? Because unless you do something, it doesn't mean shit to me. Right. So I commend you. I give you the one percent commendation for at least not stooping to Trump's level. But what are you going to do about it? Go do something about it. And let's, let's please show the world that the Republican Party will not stand for its leader being a panderer to white supremacy. Just to piss off everyone else um, that already disagreed with us on this. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and state that Barack Obama sent out a tweet. Oh, I love this. Yes. <laughs> um, sent out a tweet in response to all of this. Obama said, No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate, and if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Which is a quote from Nelson Mandela. Who, if you don't know who that is, you're probably a white supremacist. <laughs> Um, but the interesting is that is the most liked tweet in Twitter history now of all time, which gives you hope. It does give you hope that it, that Obama is better at, at Twitter than Trump is. And that's, that's Trump's thing. (laughs) The tweet, the last tweet Obama said before that is John McCain is an American hero and one of the bravest fighters I've ever known. Cancer doesn't know what it's up against. Give him hell, John. Yeah. Um, I think John McCain's a terrible person, but he said something really nice about a political opponent. So, I don't you know, think once John again, McCain class act. A, I'd, I'd have to argue with you there. I don't think he's a terrible person. I disagree with, with, the policy, with some of the policies that he would espouse, but I, I think as a human being, he is fairly level-headed and, and a probably a good per- he's a good person in my opinion. I think my biggest problem with John McCain is that he used to be level-headed. And then as the Republican Party went further and further right, 
he spinelessly went with it to win re-election, to stay a, to career politician rather than standing up for his own morals. And so where once yeah. upon a time, he was a genuine politician trying to make the country a better place. He made it perfectly clear that his only care was getting re-elected, which is a huge problem with the U.S. government. I agree. It's a huge problem for Democrats, too. There are Democrats who have voted for things that I know they don't believe in just to pander to someone who gave them uh, you know, campaign funds or something like that. And I agree. I, I, I think that's despicable. I don't, I don't hate them, though. I still think that they're probably good people, that they're just – you know, uh, if you're a good person that does bad things consistently, are you still a good person? That's a, does it a, matter what's in your heart if your actions are consistently the opposite? That 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 is a that is a deep and good question. I, I would say that to a lesser degree, but I don't think it's a sorry. So I would say that I don't think it's black or white. I think it's a it's a gray scale, and you know, while it makes me think less of John McCain, and it makes me think less of Cory Booker, whoever it was. I, can't, I think it was oh. Cory Booker. I can't remember. Yeah, Cory Booker's. <laughs> used to, I used to like him. Yeah, the, you know, it makes me think less of them. I still think, in general, John McCain is a good person, and I think, in general, I respect it. It. He is one of the. Only, I think, or, or or especially when when it's like a gray topic, he's one of the only outspoken detractors of how far his party has swung. Um, now Trump has helped swing it so far that others are now starting to join him in a at least semblance of rationality. But I felt like he he still stood for more. Like, I mean, in the recent vote for health care, a lot of people gave him shit for voting to have it come to the floor. I, I don't know why. I think that was uh, uncalled for. I, I'm glad he let it come to the floor so that he could say this debate happened. And I think that we're still wrong. We need to find the right legislation. And, and him voting against that, I don't think it was brave. I think it was rational of him. Um, the fact that the rest of the Republican Party voted for it is inane to me, but he voted against it, or not the rest. There were two others, uh, Claire, right, Claire McCaskill. The one from Maine, and the other ones that are in seats, it looks like they're going to lose yeah, with the other one. If they, if they continue to swing Trump, they're gonna, they're, they would lose. But, uh, you know, the other two as well. Um, but anyway, I, you know, I, I, I don't. That's one of the things that I love about Obama, and, and I, I just the, – the amount of hatred for him from the right is just complete – I do not even slightly understand or empathize um, because here we have a president who tweets something stupid every day, and, you know, Obama – has it just never stoops to that level, or very rarely if he does – and like you said, his tweet was the exact type of tweet that should come from a president in such a time. And his tweet right before that was, you know, praising and, you know, showing his support for a political rival who has very rarely agreed with him. But Obama respects him as a as a person, you know, and Trump just does not show the basic humanity of a six-year-old. 
and it's we already it's, read Obama's last two tweets. Oh, please don't read Trump's. Jesus fucking Christ. I can't. I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> Thank you, at Mayor Jimenez, for following the rule of law. Sanctuary cities make our country less safe. Full remarks. So first off, yelling about Mexicans again. And then the tweet before that, these are both in the past three hours. Wow. Join me at 7 p.m. on Tuesday, August 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona at the Phoenix Convention Center. He's having a rally. Oh, like, he yeah. is so far in the dumps that he needs to gather a bunch of people together that actually like him because I'm sure he can't find that in D.C. anymore. Well, and he, can't, he wants to make himself feel, feel good, right? And he's like, raising money. Oh, really? Which That's fascinating. conflict of interest? Like, why are we raising money? I get uh, – hey, we – fact – the U.S. needs campaign finance reform. <laughs> like, I What's don't, he raising money for? I don't know. I Probably campaign. That's the only way that he could f- physically justify it. Or not physically, legally justify it. Just uh, Trump, Pence, make America great again rally. Yeah, Jesus. I, I, I don't know. Uh, so anyway, that's my diatribe on... Um, on uh, neo Nazis in the United States, let me ask you, Rob. Uh, I know, I know this is is it, it's different for you. I feel like than it is for me. I I often joke that I am literally no minorities unless you count atheism as a minority. So you've got which it is. It is. But if you ask people, it's not who are they are more likely to elect president, a Muslim or an atheist? A Muslim is. He- picked every time that's true so however that fact about me is not written on my face or written in my marriage vows or written in the bathroom that i would like to go to it's much easier to hide that fact about you than it is to hide the fact that some people are say black or yeah which i don't hide but you You could and in certain circumstances certain circumstances where you would hide it yeah there are yeah, there are circumstances where you would. If I found myself in certain countries, I would claim that I am <laughs> religious. Or, uh, or if I was just at like a wedding and they asked me to put my head down in prayer, or if I'm at a funeral where everyone, like, I'm not going to be like, I can't pray. I'm atheist. I'm going to just be respectful and shut the fuck up. Yeah, I do the I do the same thing. I I. I don't really participate in the in the praying. I, I think uh, positive thoughts about the couple or whatever whatever's going on. But um, I usually clean my fingernails. <laughs> yeah, there, that works. Um, so, like, I often joke I'm a you know straight cisgendered white. There is another one that I had to throw in there now because of non-Jewish. Because now all of a sudden, fucking neo Nazis, uh, non-Jewish male. So I am literally no stereotype or no uh, minorities. Um, there are plenty of stereotypes about us. We're we're not always the greatest. Thank you, neo Nazis, for <laughs> perpetuating stereotypes that we're a bunch of assholes because we are. Uh, so, Rob, wh- I, I try to because it, it's hard for me. I try to empathize with what it feels like when you are actually African-American or actually Jewish or actually gay or actually, uh, um, you know, bisexual or transsexual. 
Well, let's talk about being black. Because the hard part of being black is not having black people in your genes. It is the way people judge you based on the way you look. The way that people think they know something about you because of one aspect of your physical appearance. And they don't know just something about you. They think they know a lot. Yeah. And so from that standpoint, I'm not black because people don't assume those things about me. Um, uh, I I have uh, black in my genetics that I'm half black, but I don't appear black. And the hard part of being black is appearing black. The hard part of being a sheik is having to wear the turban. The hard part of being a devout Muslim is having to wear the headscarf of your woman or – you know, the open signs of yeah. your religion or, like, your the ethnicity. hard part of being a Mexican is that, you know, you have this last name that's, you know, pretty common or your first name is of Hispanic descent. And yeah. so people read your name and they think they know you. Yeah. And so they've made judgments about you without knowing anything actually about you. So I don't think I know. I'm, I am able to fully empathize in a very different way than you are i am just one like um step closer to someone who is directly affected yeah uh by these open signs of of hate and racism i mean Um, so that 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 again before you continue real quick that 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 goes into you know um kind of to obama's tweet as well like it's it's kind of ironic that in many cases these people don't even know who they're talking about because there are people who are uh you know have uh african american ancestry but don't look don't appear african american and there are people who are uh jewish or you know either by genetics or religion and don't appear so let's say and and that's one of the things that's just even more ridiculous to me is that these people don't even know who they're talking about and but like you said it's it's so much more real for people who know that they will be targeted or they will be noticed because it's obvious it's if the people who march in these white supremacy marches grew up and are raised in incredibly undiverse communities mm-hmm. because the only way you could have such an unequivocal hate for an entire large group of people is to not know any of them. I, I agree. The first way to, to not be like that is to know people. Like, if they had a worldview that included interactions with a diverse group of people, they yeah. wouldn't – they would find that all of the things that they think they know about that group of people isn't true. Because yeah. there isn't any one thing that is true about an entire group of people that large. Yeah. You can't – like, broad strokes for large groups doesn't work. Like, it, it <laughs> yeah. always falls short. So – and I'm painting large strokes over neo-Nazis. Yeah. I, I just it's can't. the iron, irony, but. Like, you, if you have a diverse 
community, what you find is that there isn't a single member of a group that fits all of that group stereotypes. Yeah. You're always going to find exceptions to every one of them. And then there's going to be stereotypes that you do have that you're going to find generally aren't true. Yeah. The, the, the thing that I say a lot, too, <clears throat> this is more in typically in reference whenever I'm discussing, uh, you know, Muslim bans and Islamic terrorism and things like that, is by and large, those like, – let's, let's say Iran. I, I, I don't even want to – maybe one day we can talk about the Iranian nuclear deal, but I can't even believe some of the arguments that I had with people um, – about, you know, why the deal is so bad. But one of the arguments I'd always have is, like, they are not trustworthy, blah, blah, blah. And sure, the government has some has some issues sometimes. But what I try to explain is, like, all of those people, they're the same. They want to get up, make a living, provide for their family, and have a happy, stable life. Like... How can you not empathize with the fact that most of these people have, like, on average, they're the same as you, right? And what I was trying to explain to someone once is that if we have you waking up in the world where 99% of your time is getting up and just doing your thing to survive and, and live comfortably, and another person in Iran who just gets up and wants to survive comfortably... What is, like, what value does you hating them and stereotyping them have? And what value does them hating you and stereotyping you have? All you're doing is just, uh, you know, strangerifying the other, the other group, the other country, whatever it is, as if they aren't human. You, you have a tendency to start viewing them as not human and all they want to do is the same shit as you if they had a choice between bringing down america and living comfortably for the rest of their life who the fuck is gonna choose the former ever right like i don't understand and and, and these like people will will literally think that no they all would choose the former they'd rather bring down america than than just serve everyone survive life peacefully and i just can't believe that that's true this whole neo-nazi thing is a result of the new age republican party and fox news where they just spread fear about every little thing that's different in the new world they're just like Look at this new thing. This is what you should be scared of. The war on Christmas. You've got, like, all of this other stuff that they just try to get, they drum up fear and they drum up, and it, and it sells, so you know, well. views and it sells news and it sells magazines and talk radio and all of this. And then the end result is that now we're at a point in 2017 where a group of people can march in public shouting about how they want to, like, get rid of every minority and white people are superior in public and have people defend them while they're doing it. Like, that is the result of the Fox News 
over the past 25 years of just spreading fear yeah, day I... in and day out. And going back to what you said about Iran, a lot of the things that people say is like Iran's not trustworthy, like you said. Mm-hmm. A lot of those things that Iran backed out on were while Ahmadinejad was president. Yeah. And then the Iranian people got really tired of Ahmadinejad being this crazy, narcissistic, childish leader. And so they went far the other way where now they've got this moderate, not totally secular, but kind of secular leader in Rouhani. And this is the time where we unite. Like we always talk about America, how we want to spread our values. Yeah. This is the opportunity. There's a moderate leader in Iran we could completely change the relationship between our two countries in this period. And Obama tried to do that, and the Republican Party wants them to stay our enemy because they need people to be afraid of them. Yeah, They need there to be something to be afraid of. Rather than we, – we could have completely changed the history of the relationship between our two countries very quickly with Rouhani and Obama. And, yep. if, and now you have the Trump administration purposefully – uh, backpedaling the Iranian nuclear agreement. And I know I'm going to have some idiot in two or three years say Iran didn't hold up to their end of the deal because all they'll, they'll be fed on that day is the fact that Iran didn't do something. And what they don't realize is that Trump, the Trump administration is purposefully trying to dismantle it. They're purposefully fucking it up just so it, the, the relationship will not get any better. Uh, like, what other reasoning could it be? Luckily, Rouhani, I think, recognizes that Trump is Ahmadinejad. Is hopefully, uh, hopefully a and he has, fancy. Even though Trump has said repeatedly that the Iran deal is bad and he's not going to honor it, Rouhani has so far completely honored it. Tried, yeah. And so hopefully in four years we can get back to it and, and reestablish a great relationship with a Middle Eastern country, which we have an opportunity to do. So, and I, and I know what you mean. This, this is similar to Cuba. It's similar to North Korea. Uh, in, the, in 1999, President Clinton sent an envoy to North Korea. And there was actually the uh, infrastructure and even a written down like agreement between the United States and North Korea, similar to the Iran deal, where we were they didn't have nuclear weapons at the time. We were asking them to dismantle their plutonium enrichment facilities, and we would we would uh, you know sanction release and uh, or, sorry sanction relief and things like that. And it was all in place, and it actually had been signed. Uh, by both parties in October of uh, 2000. And one of the first things that the Bush administration, mostly pushed by Cheney, did was come out and completely trash it. Why? Just why? Here's an opportunity to, we, like you said, we say we're trying to spread our democracy, spread our culture, spread the good things that come from capitalism and democracy. And here we are... L- purposefully making the relationship worse, purposefully isolating them further so that any any amount of cultural uh, osmosis that could have c- occurred was completely trashed. Why? And it's Because to, you're getting rid of a bad guy, and exactly. they need bad guys. It's because the fear, the, the, like you said, the other, the fear, helps them continue to, to stay in power. And that's literally what Hitler did. Like, for what 
purpose are you alienating in 1999? I know that North Korea isn't the best, but coming to agreement is like, ah, that just, and so this, I heard an interview with the guy who was the envoy and he was like, that was the pivotal moment. I literally think that if that agreement had been stuck to, we would not be where we are today. And unfortunately, Cheney pushed to completely dismantle it, and he got his way, and here's where we are. And it's just, it's ridiculous. And, and you're right, I, it's the same thing where there's videos in 1940, I posted one on Facebook in the 1940s of, hey, this kind of shit that happened in Germany, don't, don't be all high and mighty. It can happen here, and it probably will if we don't all remain vigilant in trying to recognize the signs of political parties holding on to power for the, with, with purely fear only. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, here we are talking in 2017 about how to fight neo-Nazis. Yeah, that blows, right? That's not where there's a lot of of people who are very disappointed in us right now. Yeah, that was a rough one. I mean, we we started it pretty light with the the Ruth Aaron numbers and and now and then we ended it and like, holy shit, we're we're the worst people ever. Um, I remember in like in in the 90s when my parents were like teaching me about racism and, you know, kind of like Obama's tweet, it was confusing to me. Um. Where it's like, okay, that doesn't make... Why would people do that? Why is that a thing? Um, what is it like for children now? I don't want to get into a discussion, but I just want... Maybe we can ask, leave ourselves with the question, like, what, what is it like for children now? Like, do they hear about the president basically not choosing, not, not being able to, to say what should be said? Um, maybe we should think on that. Well, if you want my answer, I, I doubt they think about it at all, and they're probably more concerned with their soccer game this Saturday. But that's true. All right, all right. So that was that was rough. Uh, where where should people go to find us and like us and tweet us and boink us? Boink, lol. Um, <laughs> maybe rather this week than uh, going to at still got nothing on Twitter or Facebook or Gmail or Reddit. Uh, you should look up what the BLM movement actually stands for rather than trying to find a video of one asshole in a crowd yelling something you disagree with and trying to paint the entire movement as being something that it's not. Yeah. Oh, God, we could have a whole nother discussion on this. Jesus. Like, the movement has a stated purpose, and 99% of the people who demonstrate go along with that purpose which is just like hey can we please have a discussion about race because shit is not equal that is completely different than a group whose express purpose is to eradicate and remove minorities like do i really have to explain that to you (sighs) go yeah like you said rob go look up blm look up see what they stand for and and maybe donate why don't you not you, Rob. I mean, you can, Rob, but I mean, our our listeners, if you feel so inclined. You got anything else? So much. <laughs>